Hey ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to this week's episode of Grindstone Adventures. This is episode 23. Uh, we got a pretty unique episode this week and next week coming. Uh, I've got some uh, fellow, I don't know, our pro staff staff members or I don't know how you want to feel it. The term pretty loose in the industry these days. Um, but he is a part of service side, as am I. Um, and the uh, the episode next week my guests are also um, he is from Cincinnati area I'll say um, so he, he, me and him are pretty close together in relativity of where we hunt you know state wise but uh, Chris how you doing today uh, good man how you doing oh not too bad it was a pretty easy day at work today that's good you gotta like that oh yeah I sat in a truck all day so I didn't I didn't do anything but watch movies heck yeah but uh so go ahead and give a brief introduction, but, you know, where you're from, how old you are, how long you've been hunting, that kind of deal. Okay, uh, yeah, uh, my name is uh, Chris Wheeler. I'm uh, about 45 minutes east of Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, I do a lot of hunting, a lot of fishing, pretty much anything I can in, in Ohio. Uh, I started hunting, uh, let's see, I killed, so I killed my first animal at four. Um, just out squirrel hunt with my dad so i guess i could say i started hunting then um but at the age of two he would actually take me out uh on some rabbit hunts with him he'd carry me on his back and instead of putting the rabbits in his game pouch he carried diapers and wipes so <laughs> that's pretty awesome to, right right to say i've uh, grown up in the woods I've, I've i've practically i have really yeah um so I'm, I'm uh 22 i'm getting ready to turn 23 so Okay. I've spent pretty much all of my life chasing deer, turkeys, squirrels. Uh, I recently, about four years ago, got into waterfowl, and I've very quickly fallen in love with that as well. I'm betting that's going to be the same with me. I've I've just started turkey hunting this year, fell in love with it, and I just got my waterfowl stuff for this year. So I'm betting that's very where nice. I'll be. So you do any hunting out of state, or since you're that close to Indiana, I mean, probably hour hour and a half from Indiana. Um, so I've actually, you know, you'd think I'm like 30 minutes from Kentucky, like you said, about an hour, hour and a half from Indiana, and I chose to hunt uh, Pennsylvania. <laughs> no kidding, you're hunting Pennsylvania the this year. State. So I, I hunted it last year, and I'm hoping I can get back up there again this year. Did you get the license and stuff this year? Uh, I believe yes. Yep. Okay. Um, did what type? You just got the normal license with what it comes with. Yeah. Yep, okay, so yep, you got the, the turkey tags and the antler tag. Yep. Okay, did you apply for a doe tag? Uh, I did not. Nope. Neither did I. See, I, I got I got the PA license this year also. Um, okay. I'm originally from an hour and 15 minutes, hour and a half west of Pittsburgh. So I'm, oh, okay. I'm not Very too cool. far from it, but uh, I also bought a bear tag for PA this year, and that's probably one of the oh. first things I'll chase this other than, you know, opening day in Ohio, whitetail. Right. But... Yeah, I mean, if you get up there, you got a weekend, you know, message me, man. We'll, we'll go sit and try and double up. Okay, yeah, definitely. No, that's, uh, I, I'm looking forward to it. I actually, I just found out um, about two, three weeks ago uh, that I'm I'm probably going to be having to have uh, surgery on my left knee. Oh, geez. And so that's 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 kind of put a hold to most of my my trips that I've been planning and everything. I think they're... They, they talked about possibly uh, December 
and or possibly sooner. Okay. So sports related I'm injury. I can at least. I'm sorry. Sports related injury. Uh, it was a work related injury actually. Oh geez, that ain't no good. No. Well, so that's. Hopefully, I'm, you get some hunting done beforehand. Right, right. I'm hoping that it doesn't cut into too much of my hunting, but if it does, it does. It is kind of is what it is at this point. Unfortunately, I can't do anything about it. So I'm, I'm hoping I can make the best of early season here in Ohio, and then if I if I get the chance, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to get over to Pennsylvania as much as I can. Yeah, right. Well, I hope that works out for you. I mean, that's tough to hear. Yeah. And I definitely know what that's like. In 2017, I uh, I had a sports injury and had to have shoulder, shoulder surgery on my right shoulder. Um, so okay. I got lucky. I mean, I couldn't even pull a bow back, but I got oh, lucky yeah. like four days before my shoulder surgery, I was able to shoot my first buck with a crossbow. So I, I got lucky oh, that year. But yeah, so. What, uh, what'd you do to your shoulder? I tore my labrum in the posterior from 10 to 12 o'clock. Okay, so I did the exact same injury in the exact same year in 2017 playing sports. No kidding. Was yours football related? Yeah, it was. Okay, okay. Mine, mine was uh, track and field. I was throwing, okay. I was throwing a javelin like a football, and that is uh, not the right way to do that. It, yep. That's yeah. That'll do it. Yep. Yeah. I uh, I tore my labrum back in 2017 as well, and uh, I had surgery November 21st. And November 20th, I filled my buck tag. <laughs> <laughs> I think I had so, surgery November 30th, and I filled it the day before Thanksgiving or something like that, or 28th or something like that. That's awesome. Yeah, that's wild. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you were sitting there saying you had shoulder surgery. I'm like, huh, no kidding. Yeah. Too. <laughs> that's ironic. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So how long have you been a part of uh, Serviceide? Uh, so actually, I just joined... Um, I guess it would have been about a year ago. Okay. Maybe maybe about eight to eight months to a year ago, somewhere in there. Okay. Okay. What do you think of it so far? Uh, I absolutely love it. I have just been uh, a part of it for a short period of time like I have. It's been nothing but awesome. I mean, I've met and talked and, and just planned stuff with so many different guys, and everybody in there has been nothing but been been nothing but nice and friendly and, and, and really cool guys mm -hmm. yeah they're, they're some of the greatest guys I've met well I haven't met any of them but one personally and I didn't meet him through the app or anything like that I was when I worked in Harrison over there last month um, I went I wanted to go shoot my bow and it was like a, a Sunday so I was looking around and the bow area like the indoor archery ranges and uh Fairfield and Harrison and Cincinnati area were closed or too far yeah. for me to drive so I went to Greensburg Indiana and shot at a uh, target place out there and one of the guys hanging out in the shop there was a member it, oh, it, no was, kidding. it was awesome like yeah. cool dude I don't I, I hate that I can't remember his name he gave me a follow on Instagram but uh, I, cool. I can't remember his name but yeah it's crazy how spread out and wide Surfside members are Oh, I was I was shocked. I, I joined through a friend that had been a part of it for a while, and he had told me about it, and I'm like, awesome. It, it sounded kind of too good to be true. Right. Uh, yeah, it was it was pretty awesome joining up. I'm I've been wanting to try and get some people to you know roll with me on some of these solo hunts I got planned. Like I I had a hunt in Michigan this year, turkey hunting. I ended up getting a a Jake, 
Um, my buddy went with me and I got some all kinds of good advice from some guys on the app and then I uh, wanted to see if someone would roll with me to a bear hunt and I was in the elk draw for PA and I did not draw um, but okay. if I would have drawn an elk tag I was looking to see if someone would want to go with me and you know because I do a lot of filming nowadays I, I just got into it like a year and a half ago filming my hunts so extra hands are always appreciative oh sure and tell a story it can be extreme what's that Wait, just when you're you're breaking up a little bit yeah. What were you saying? Um, yeah, sorry. You good? It's still coming in and out just a little bit. Okay. It says I got full bars, so. Okay, that sounds better right there. Okay. Yeah, don't don't um, worry about it too much. I mean, if you know, call drops, we'll we'll get you back on the phone. My episode okay. with one of my buddy as I met in Cincinnati that hunts for the Breaking Point TV up in Wisconsin he he had terrible service and we managed to get one done so no big deal okay okay um but no that's I said uh with filming it, it can be incredibly hard oh yeah uh doing it by yourself and capturing everything oh yeah let's say I, I got one deer on camera that I actually took shot at last year um and it helped me determine that I just gave it a haircut um but uh, after that, you know, I got film of a deer walking under me after I shot my buck last year, and it was a buck that came under me, so I didn't even pick up the bow to try and self-film it. Um, and then my buddy filmed the turkey hunt for me, so I'm still, like, learning and going about it. I'm still trying different things and stuff, because now I'm not using a crossbow. I'm using a compound again, so, like, there's so much different things, like different types of cameras, different ways to set them up. Uh, you know, it's just so many things that you don't think about if you're not filming to what will make oh, a hunt it, hard. And then you get in a tree stand yes. with a camera and it's like, wow. Yes. And it is crazy to see some of these, you know, big time guys that, that sell film. And I just, I'm like, well, I'm, I honestly, I'm very impressed with how good they are. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like I watched, uh, what, it, what show was it? I don't even remember what show it was. I watched an episode. It might have been Whitetail Edge that I watched on Tuesday night. Um, it might have been that show. The guy smoked a stud on camera. He'd been setting up food plots and stuff all summer. You know, he went through yeah. his backstory for the season and whatnot. And then right at the time the camera, sh you know, it was supposed to be on the deer for the shot. It missed it because the deer did some funky stuff and he thought he was on camera but he was already at full draw and he yeah, didn't know right. he didn't know it wasn't on there so like i'm i'm like watching him like what is going on Did, and then the deer runs off and then it turns around he's got a big grin on his face like oh he must have shot like i didn't even hear the bow go off yeah but yeah there's it is it is so tricky yeah i didn't even get my buck on camera last year because well, i had five minutes of shooting light left but I had no camera light because the fog bank was no rolled camera. Light. Yep. Yep. I I I have tried so many different things to help with camera light. Now, unfortunately, that last you know fifteen to twenty minutes of last light is extremely hard to film in. Right. I, I'm I don't know about your situation, but I am like tight budget most of the time. Um. So like my cameras, it says it's got night quality 
like low light quality on it and you know but yeah it doesn't so i'm like looking no, for other not. things and <laughs> stuff like that my phone doesn't even have low light quality and it's an iphone 11 so yeah yeah it, it's, it's, it's a challenge but it's a enjoyable challenge oh absolutely it, it is so much fun um just being able to capture stuff and and go back and look at stuff and 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 see little details that you might have forgotten a year ago I, I love going back and just looking at just little clips and film of filming that i do on my phone and and just watching little stuff that you know you don't remember a year ago but at the time you thought it was such a cool experience to, to see exactly exactly yeah i got something cool on film no what was it last yeah it was last week last wednesday so i, I actually got to go home i came back from harrison had most of the week off I had to be in Lexington do some uh, site specific training and then I was off till this Monday so I went back up to Carrollton where I'm from originally and okay. I was like alright I'm gonna you know I don't recommend everybody go do this but I didn't have a weapon on me I was you know right up the road from my house where my property is that I hunt and so I took a case of beer some binoculars and some wind puffer and scent cover I went and sat my blind I was like I just want to see firsthand what's what's happening, what their patterns are looking like, and yeah, the field. Yeah, and absolutely, stuff. do a little observation. Sir. Yeah, so I'm in the blind drinking some beer and whatnot, watching a, these two does, and then a groundhog pops up, and I was like, man, that'd make a really cool picture. So I, like, pull my phone up. As I'm swiping to my camera, I kid you not, a bobcat came out of nowhere, and the bobcat and the groundhog fought for three minutes until the groundhog lost. And I got wow. I got most of it on camera. It was pretty that cool. Is, that is awesome. Yeah, on the on the Facebook page, uh, Grindstone Adventures is where I posted it. And okay. I, I think within like four days, I had over 10,000 views and 300 oh, shares. Sure. It, it was that, like awesome. crazy. It was pretty cool. Like <laughs> I did a pretty bad job of narrating it because I was amped up. I was like, man, that's cool as hell. And it happened right in front of my trail camera. But I'm sitting there watching it and like narrating it. I'm like rooting for the groundhog. I'm right, like, man, right. this is so cool. And the I will I will say this, you know, the groundhog ended up losing. I, I found its remains the next day in front of the camera. Uh, but I'll tell you this right now, that groundhog beat the shit out of that bobcat for three minutes. <laughs> that is awesome. That is so cool. Oh yeah, I I, yeah, I, I don't post that to the app. Oh yeah, that's awesome. Uh, that's awesome. That's I I try to tell everyone, anybody that ever asks. You know, why do you go out and sit in a tree stand for, for 12 hours in a day and you'll see three deer? And it's like, well, yeah, I might have saw three deer, but I saw, you know, like, like you just see so many other things yeah. uh, that you would never see. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've seen something on Facebook I, I thought was really cool or it may not have been Facebook. It might have been TikTok. I don't know. It's social media somewhere. I sent it to my buddy um, and said, now, I'm not hating on people that go to church in a church but setting every single Sunday I'm not hating on any of those people I go to church as much as I possibly can I work on the road so it's hard but I have had more conversations with God in a tree stand 20 feet in the air than I have ever had in a building absolutely that's you are not wrong right there yep I saw a post and it, it, and it was like uh, all of you and, and once again I, I'm the same way as you are and and it said all the people that are bashing on me because I'm sitting in a tree on Sunday just know I'm 25 I'm 25 feet closer to God I like that I like that <laughs> and I was like hey, you know what that is true <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen that one but I like that I, I know there was a saying 
that's an old saying like Fred Bear may have said it I, I don't know exactly who said it but it, it said something along the lines of you know you go in the woods heavier than what you come out with even if you kill something oh absolutely that, that's why I that's why I personally hunt uh, I had some major absolutely. life things happen after I shot my deer last year and I moved out of state I had some major life things happen and I was in a bad spot and then you know I started turning all my attention to the outdoors and hunting even though I was done for the season and yeah. I've just got I'm in such a better place and I'm not even in a tree stand yet and I'm like amped up ready to go I'm happier than I've right. ever been and right. I'm set up better than I've ever been there's something about being in a tree or in a marsh or, or in the turkey woods when that sun comes up, there's just it's therapeutic to me. It is my escape from all of the other life that we have to deal with. Exactly, exactly. It is and, and that's I try to tell everyone, anyone I can to just even if you don't hunt, just go out and sit in the woods right before sunrise and just listen to everything and just just don't talk, don't do anything, just just watch and listen. Absorb it. Yep. Oh, it is. It is one of the most breathtaking things and and it kills me that people people just don't they never see it in their whole life yep i like sitting in the woods at dusk when the sun goes down but there is nothing like sitting in a tree stand on like a cold november morning and just watching the woodwork come alive around you there's nothing like it oh it is it's it is you can't you can try to explain it as best as you could you couldn't put it in more perfect words yeah Exactly. Exactly. I could have said that perfect. More perfect. Yeah, that that's probably one of the greatest intros to this podcast I've ever had. To be honest with you, uh, I mean, a lot of my my guests have been on have been personal friends and people I've known for a long time, with a couple exceptions. Um, you know, Brennan and Aaron, I just met this year. They're established outdoorsmen already. They have their own show. Brennan's been doing it for ten years. Aaron's just now, you know, full time, but. Uh, most of the people I've had on my show are either college buddies or people I've known for a long time, and like so, it gets pretty, pretty personal, pretty deep, pretty quick. And it's either a hunting podcast or it's a dudes being dudes podcast, and right. you never know what you're going to get on any of them. But uh, right. yeah, the way the way this one's starting out is going to be one of my favorites. I can already tell. <laughs> well, that's it's it's easy to talk about hunting. It's one of the biggest things, just the outdoors in general. It's oh yeah. It, it's you can't put it into words what it what it, what it'll do. Yep, I I wouldn't trade. I mean, if I'd I'd give fingers and toes and what whatever I have to give to be able to make sure I go in the woods every year. I don't care oh, what the cost is. I'm going to be in the woods. Like <laughs> I I bought a Rambo e bike this year. My buddy, uh, he's like, dude, what are you spending that kind of money on something like that for? He's like, just quit being lazy and walk up the hills to get to where you need to go. And I was like in my head I'm going yeah that's exactly why I bought it because I'm lazy and I'm fat and I don't <laughs> I'm like walking in the summer sun to trick trail, trail cameras and whatnot. Uh, right you're, you're sweating to death and everything right. else you're just like man a bike would be nice so I, I told him I was like you know what hate on me all you want it's an investment for my hunting show and he just giggled and he's like whatever dude <laughs> so that's how I justify it. I spent so much money this year on hunting equipment and stuff like that alone and I just tell everybody like where are you getting all this money I'm like I have no idea but it's an investment right right but, no, uh, that's, 
it, it, it adds up quick. And that is one thing. Everybody's like, well, what do I need to go hunt? I'm like, well, what, what you, you need, need and what you and what and what you and what you see do different things because it adds up quick. Yep, like people see, I, you know, take Michael Waddell for instance. You know, he's got his bow, he's got his hat, he's got his camo clothing, his muck boots or whatever, and a turkey vest or you know his hunting bag. That seems pretty basic to you and me. We know what goes in behind the scenes, and they, what you aren't right. seeing is you know. He's got scent killer on. He's got probably scent body wash and stuff from the night before or that morning. He's got thermals on underneath that. He's got that camo he's wearing is not cheap. The boots he's wearing is right. not cheap. Oh, no. That Hoyt right. bow is not cheap because he's running, I, I think they run HHA single pin sites. Uh, yep. Bone yep. I, I think that's what they, yep. They're running, you know, those special strings they run. They run in their own arrows, different cams, right. oh, stabilizers. It, it, it is it is insane at how much oh yeah just just one little piece of equipment can be yeah and and i had a buddy he sent me a uh a guy he went on a uh i think it was a montana bear hunt or or some somewhere is a spring black bear hunt okay and my buddy sent me and he's like hey you know he wants to get into the hunting out west and he sees all of it and he's like you know what do you think about this guy's setup and I, I texted him back and I said, that's great. I said, but you're looking at like five grand <laughs> in just what's on the tailgate. And he texted back, holy crap, are you serious? I was like, no, serious, I am. Right. Like, it was all, you know, it was all the Sitka gear, the top of the line stuff. Okay, and, yeah. And he's, and he's like, what do you think about this? I'm like, man, all that stuff is great, but you're looking at like five grand sitting on that tailgate. Yeah. It's nuts. Like, my hunting clothes are like hand me down Walmart stuff. I'm buying some uh, first, like, winter gear from my buddy secondhand. It's probably the most expensive clothing I have to hunt with. Most of my gear, or most of my money's wrapped up in my bow and my arrows. And, okay. Uh, let's see here, my stands, because I just bought uh, sticks this year. I, I bought a hang on last year. It was a muddy hang on with backpack straps. And dude, okay. they had it on sale somewhere down in Louisiana, some sportsman website I seen like on Instagram or Facebook, and I clicked it and scrolled through their discounts, and I found it a hang-on tree stand for forty bucks. I was like, Oh, no, oh you I'm can't not, beat that. I'm not passing it up. I'm, I bought that no. on the, on spot, and then it showed up like three days later, and I never got to use it last year. But I also found like a muddy tra trail camera for like twenty five, thirty bucks on sale at the end of the season last okay. year. Snagged that sucker. Right, like, right. Oh, I live on the deals. I oh, live yeah. on the deals. Like, people don't understand that have never actually paid for going hunting how much this stuff actually costs. Like, I think, let's see here. If I had to make a guess since last October to date now, what I've spent on hunting equipment, no matter what the equipment is, hunting in general or whatever, I've probably spent close to six to seven grand. Oh, I, I believe it. I do. I believe it. It is. It, it's kind of crazy when when you look at it and you and you see some of these guys that are fully kitted out and everything that they have. And I'm like, man, you know, I I, I do well for myself. I'm like, man, these guys must just crap hundred dollar bills. <laughs> like, man, I want to be friends with you. What do you do for a living? <laughs> right, right. That's no. That's yeah. I some of the stuff and and I've got a couple buddies that you know they they like they like they like the meteor show on Netflix. Right. 
and and uh, I I probably would have been three years ago. I started buying uh, First Light. Okay. And I I had just gotten to the point where one I, I had kind of st- I had stopped growing finally. You know, being being so young, being twenty two that. It was like you said. It was Walmart clothes, hand me downs. You know, I was wearing like my uncle's stuff, my dad's stuff, my grandpa's stuff. Yep. <laughs> and I just got to the point where I was like, you know what? I am so tired of sitting for four and five hours in a tree stand and just being frozen cold. Exactly. Because the stuff that I'm wearing is just not cutting it. And so three years ago, I started buying uh, First Light, and I'd buy you know, on a sale, or I'd buy, you know, if they. If, if, if somebody had something on Facebook that they were selling for a good price, I just started buying here and there. And now I'm to the point where I'm, 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 I've kitted myself out pretty good just off of used stuff. And then when they run sales and then I work, um, I work in law enforcement. So I get a, a discount to most of the, the bigger brands. They give law enforcement a discount. Okay. And, so I was able to get a, a discount on all of the stuff that I bought directly from them. So that that helped tremendously. I mean, if I didn't have that discount, I probably wouldn't own any first light at all. <laughs> if my buddy wasn't offering me the winter gear he's selling me, I probably wouldn't have any either. Um, yeah, and, I mean, and selling it to me a little bit cheaper than what I could get it brand new, but you know. Okay. Well, hey, still, it's uh, cheaper uh, than uh, what I could get. Yeah, cheap cheap is the way to go, especially with that stuff. Right. And. And so my buddy, you know, he's like, well, I watched, you know, the meteor, you have all the, the camo that they're wearing. I was like, well, he's, you know, he's like, I want to buy this. I want to get this. I'm like, I'm like, listen, dude, I've bought this stuff used and it's been going on like three years now. Like this, I didn't just buy this stuff overnight. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he's like, look, and he's like, well, I'm going to get this. I'm going to get this. I'm like, like, man, you're, you're adding up real quick. And he texted me. He's like, holy crap. I just put everything in my cart. And it's like $4,500. <laughs> <laughs> like, that is why I, I use the discount and I wait for sales and I buy off of Facebook Marketplace. Yes, yes. Yeah, I can't tell you how many times, like, and it it does two things to me. It makes me excited because I'm like, man, I really want this. And then it makes me really sad because it's like, damn, I can't afford this. Is I right. go, like, I'll, I'll go to Amazon, I'll go to Mossy Oak or, you know, First Light or something like that. And then I'll just go through and be like, I want this, this, all that would work right. well with this. And then I put it in my cart and I just look at the total and I sit there and I just split 50-50 happy because I'd be so excited for that stuff. And then the other half's like, you broke bastard, you can't afford none of that. <laughs> right, right. Oh, yeah, you start looking at it, you're like, man, that added up quick. Right. So. Yeah, but uh, so you're from... Like you said, east of Cincinnati. You've been hunting since yep. you were four, but been in the woods since you were two. Yep. So you probably got a lot of hunting stories. I, I've, I've got a few. I, I've definitely, I've definitely, I've got a lot of screw up stories, and I've got a few success stories. If that makes sense. Oh yeah. Hey, you know, <laughs> both are very important. Sometimes the the screw up stories are more important. Yes, that's. I have, I have learned way more for my mistakes than when everything's gone right and and i've got i've I've had a good story (laughs) right well why don't you walk us through a couple of those uh screw-ups and a couple of those successes okay um i'll go with my probably the the one of the biggest 
screw up, probably the biggest screw up day, but the the best day to this day that I've had in the woods. Um, it was, it would have been probably five years ago now. Um, I was a, I was a senior in high school and it was, it was November 19th. This date will forever be engraved in my brain. And I got out, I got out of school really early. Uh, I was able, I, I always got out of school pretty early my senior year. I had all my credits and classes and everything caught up. So I only had, I basically took a half day pretty much every year uh, okay. for my senior year. And I got out of the woods. I think I got in the woods at like one o'clock and I was in, I, I had grabbed my, my father's climber. I was borrowing. I went all the way to the, the farthest back spot I could on the farm. I'm like, all right, this is, this is really good uh, oak trees, big big oak flat with a big tractor path that comes through. And I'm, I'm kind of sitting, not on the edge of bedding, but bedding is not too far from me. And then behind me is a big ag field um, through the oak woods. So it's a great spot, great spot to hunt during the rut. Right. And I'm, I'm sitting there and I just got up and I'm thinking, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a little, little grunting sequence just to see if there's anything close. And so I grunt three or four times and and I made some noise getting in so I was like well you know maybe that'll cover some of my noise climbing the tree they'll think you know maybe there's a buck chasing a doe or something right and and I had sat there for 15 minutes I grunt two three minutes goes by and I hear a bunch of noise to my left and I look over at what it was a bunch of turkeys I was like oh that's cool you know there's a whole huge flock of turkeys coming through and I'm watching them and, and then I heard some twigs snapping and that was kind of off to the left, but behind me a little bit. And I'm thinking, okay, turkeys don't snap twigs that big. Right, now your blood's starting to pump. Right, and I look over and sure enough, it's a beautiful eight-pointer and would have been my best buck at the time. And he's at like 40 yards. And at the time, 40 yards was probably my max shot, but mm-hmm. I was good at 40 yards and I knew that, hey, if I keep, I know where that, I know where the tree is for 40, he's right there. I know where the shot is. I'm good to go. Well, as soon as I stand up to draw my bow, my grunt tube is still sitting in my lap. It rolls off the tree stand, <laughs> clangs off the stand, clangs off the ground, off some limbs, makes a whole bunch of noise. He goes running off. So I sat down and I'm, you know, in my head, I'm thinking, you big dummy. Like, just of all the things you could have done, that's what you're going to do. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm kind of kicking myself, but I'm like, you know what? It's like maybe two o'clock. There is plenty of time left. Right. So I'm like, well, you know what? It's early. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to climb down the tree and I'll grab my grunt call. Since I'm in the climber, I can just, you know, climb down real quick, climb back up. So I climb down, grab my grunt call, still kicking myself get back up the tree I sat there for about another hour I thought alright you know what It's been, and it was kind of a windier day and the, and the wind had, had, had stopped I said you know what I'm going I'm to hit the rattling horns so I hit the rattling horns I mean and I hit them hard clanged them for about probably two and a half three minutes Okay. set them down made it sound like there was a big old buck fight I was, I was hitting limbs and everything hopefully not on your lap this time Right, right, yeah. I'll get him in the tree this time. <laughs> and there was a deer that we had been watching, and and we had we had had a couple couple trail camera pictures of him, and he was just a, a, a giant. I mean, he was a true Ohio, just absolute giant. 
and I'm hunting, and in front of me, I have a shot to, to a power line. Okay. And I can see all the way down this power line. And I look over, and here's this buck that, you know, I'd only seen trail camera pictures of it. I mean, it's a deer that you see in a magazine. Right. And he's he's coming in exactly. He's trotting down the power line. I get my bow. I stand up. Everything is good. This is the moment that I have practiced my whole life for. Yep. And instead of coming down the, the, the tractor path to my left that's 20 yards or the, the power line in front of me that's 20 yards, he kind of cuts a corner on me. And I'm like, you know what? That's okay. And this deer is 15 to 20 yards, somewhere in there. So top 10, nice, easy shot. Just execute shot. You're good to go. Right. I draw my bow back, and he's still he's coming in at a good pace, but there's a little window that I have. I'm like, okay, this is perfect. I stop him. And when I stop him, he kind of does like a hop back and freezes. Well, with the adrenaline and everything going, I center my pin. I feel everything's good. I let go. In my head, I shoot, and I'm thinking, I just shot the biggest deer of my life. And my arrow catches a, 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 a limb smaller than my pinky finger. Oh, no way. And when it hits this limb, my arrow breaks the limb. But it, when it breaks, it catches my fletching and kicks my arrow up straight up and down vertically. And the, and the arrow slaps the deer perfect left and right. I mean, exactly where you'd want the arrow to hit, except the arrow is straight up and down when it hits the deer. Oh, man. Key holding. He jumps back, <laughs> trots about 40 yards and just stands there. Well... I, you know, of course, I go into whole crap mode. I'm, I'm fumbling with everything. I get another arrow. And by the time I can get another arrow, he is walking off yeah. into um, this this ag field. And, and I sat down, and I couldn't believe what had just happened because I had just seen you know, the biggest one of the biggest deer I've ever seen in my life. And I just missed a deer at 16, 17 yards that, you know, I, I could have made that shot blindfolded. And I hit a limb that I couldn't even see. I was absolutely devastated. Yep, yep, I, I know that I sat feeling. down, kind of had a little bit of tear in my eye because I was like, man, you just you just screwed up a, a beautiful A-pointer and now you just screwed up on the biggest tear you've ever <laughs> seen inside of bow range. And I, I called my dad. I was so frustrated. I called my dad. I'm like, I'm just going to get down. This just isn't my day. This is terrible. I can't believe this. And he's like, well, you're in a great spot. And at this time, it's still only... 4 30 so i've still got it about an hour of, of hunting time and he's like you're, you're still early you're all right you know did that buck when he walked it. off to the ag field did he like seem spooked tail up in the air or was he just like flickering he, like looking around he didn't have a clue what had happened and okay. just walked off so like there's a chance he could still be in the area and come back yes right and and, and to me, you know, in my head, I just screwed up. I blew out the woods. He didn't even blow. Didn't know what had happened at all. But in my head, you know, I just made the biggest mistake I'd made in my life. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I'm, I'm sitting there, and I called my dad, and I'm all frustrated and mad and pissed at the world. I suck. I'm, I'm done hunting. I was ready to throw my bow out, <laughs> out onto the tree stand. I was so mad. I've been there. And he's like, he's like, man, you got an hour, hour, hour and a half of daylight. Just sit down. You know, you, you've seen two shooter bucks. It, it's it's the day. Like, it, it could still happen. All right. You know, you're, you're right. You're right. 
So I calm down, I, I sit down, I, I sit all the way to dark. Well, that prime time, you know, that 30 minutes before dark hits. Mm-hmm. And I had seen, you know, probably a dozen deer as well as those two shooter bucks. So I had seen a lot of deer. I was having, you know, I saw a lot of little bucks, a lot of those, those two big bucks. And we had a deer that we called Dagger. Um, and this, this deer was a, uh, it was a, he was a 13 pointer with an extra main beam. Okay. That's pretty cool. Crazy looking here. Super non-typical points everywhere. Uh, beautiful deer. And I had actually seen him way back in like October and I got like a 40 yard, 50 yard encounter with him. And it was, it was around Halloween. He was bumping some does and, and I, it was way too thick. I just seen it briefly. And I was like in my head, I'm like, man, that deer's insane. That deer is so cool. And, and I really, you know, there were two deer that I really wanted to shoot on that farm, and it was the big buck that I had just missed in that buck. Well, I look off to the right side of the power line, and here is Dagger at 50 yards walking right to me. And so the same situation, I, I make sure Dustin's in my lap this time. I stand up, I grab my <laughs> bow, and I'm, you know, in my head, I'm thinking, this is going to happen. And he walks in to directly under my tree and I'm sitting beside a giant oak tree and I'm in a I'm in a smaller oak tree and he is on the back side of this oak tree making a scrape at <laughs> six yards seven yards eight yards maybe oh man and I'm thinking well, it, you know he's gonna go this way he's gonna go this way either way he goes he is dead I, I'm gonna kill you know here I go I have another opportunity and instead of walking left or right he completely turns around and walks straight back the way that he came did he give you any opportunities never allowing me a shot oh man and i just i sat down in my in 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 the climber i hung my bow up and of course light is fading now at this point he is 60 70 yards and i was like i don't know whether to be so mad at myself or just be like, holy crap, because I just saw three of the biggest deer I've seen in a super long time in the same day. And the, the same, same stand. Five, six hours. I mean, it was it was one of the, like I said, one of the most incredible days hunting I've ever had and one of the worst days hunting I've ever had. That, wow. <laughs> that would be a crazy hunt to have on camera and just like just have a camera on you the entire time. Oh, I, I just I watch the emotional it. roller coaster. And, and I had filmed a little bit um, then, and I, I started filming back in two thousand in the later two thousands, like two thousand and ten. Or I shouldn't say later; I should say early, I guess. Okay. Um, and I actually I filmed for a, a couple different uh, TV productions, nothing huge or big or anything like that. Um, when I was younger, I was on like their junior pro staff. It was really my dad, but you know, I I got to film and be around all of that, so I kind of learned the filming aspect as an earlier side of life right. um, i was you know eight nine ten we filmed all the way up until i was about 15 um and then we stopped filming and i to this day i'm like i wish i had a camera for that day man that'd been so awesome to watch and oh it was it was it was a roller coaster ride of emotion and to this day it's like one of my favorite days that I've ever had in the, in, in the deer woods. And, and I didn't, I missed two bucks. And, <laughs> oh yeah. But, but you came a, out of there, you came out of that knowing more than what you knew when you walked in there. Oh, the, the, and, and it's so funny. I sit here today and I go, if I could just, if I knew what I knew today, I would have killed the first buck 
I would have killed. I wouldn't. I'd have never had a chance at the monster because I'd have killed that first buck because I would have made sure that my grunt tube was around my neck or in a pocket. Yeah. And then I think, well, even if I did that, I would have made sure that I wouldn't have hit a limp. Like there's so many different things that I could have done differently. I didn't, but it, 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 it honestly, it grew the passion more inside of me to like just, just to keep on pushing. Right. Um, and, uh, do, you, do you listen to no, working class? Is, I'm sorry. Do you work? Do you listen to working class? I, I do not. No, I have. So, haven't. working class bow hunters podcast, probably the biggest whitetail bow hunting podcast in the country. There are some Illinois guys. It's where they're based out of. Uh, they got some surrounding state guys that travel and do the podcast. But uh, last week, I don't remember which guy it was. They had a guy from Loophole on, and. I might have been Kurt, who is the host of the show. They were talking about the same instance, like, you know, pin an easy, you know, shot you should be able to make when your eyes close, let the arrow fly, smoke the tree limb, tiny tree limb. And he's like, if I would have went back and like, I think he was saying his whole, like he'd learned from it was to just like slow down and observe everything before he observed a buck I think was his lesson in it but he's like if I would have just like you know looked I would have seen it it was just in that deer he was frozen he wasn't going anywhere he wasn't spooked he was looking for what what deer made that grunt and where is he you know all I did I did the normal just burp and he stopped he's looking for another deer he wasn't going anywhere yeah but in my head it was like oh hurry 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 he's gonna run it's the biggest deer you've ever seen you gotta hurry yep and it, you know, in my head, it was just straight chaos. And that was what what you just said. The biggest takeaway was just take your time. Like even even if that buck walks five more yards, well, then I can just shoot him again. Like I didn't have to release that arrow at that point. Right. And, and it's like, and it made it it's made me a better hunter. And mm-hmm. and since that day, but that's like the biggest. Yeah, I mean, it's the biggest, one of the biggest days that I learned the most, I think, I've right. ever learned in the, in the whitetail woods. I shot my buck last year, early in October. Like, okay. And, you know, I got him, but my takeaway from that entire hunt, for me personally, was the same thing. Take my time, because, like, I used a crossbow last year. Now, when I, I've seen, I had trail camera pictures of a buck I killed, and he was a monster for the area. Um, my buddy's dad was like stoked for me and like excited and like drooling over it like everybody else including myself was looking at him in the bed of the truck that's awesome but what happened was like he you know he came i explained in an earlier podcast but uh, he came across a stream after i blew him out the day before so i was there on a whim my dad told me just go sit anyways and yeah he come up said way he did the day before he got within 10 yards and like i rushed everything to the point where like as soon as he, as i seen brown in the scope i pulled the trigger and my, that was my takeaway after the hunt was over. Is like, next time I need to be calmer, go through my progression, relax, right. slow it down. Because I may yeah. have gotten lucky and spined him last year and been able to finish the job. Next time right. I, could, I could hit him in the back hip and wound that deer. He catches an infection and dies months later. And I never find him. Right. So I was like, oh, no, it's like that. Just that extra split second of like, like just take a breath. Like that's the biggest thing that I've I it seems like your story too it's like if you just pause for just that split second and take a breath yep you yep. never have to worry about anything and it's hard to do until you've done it and you know you you work that into your routine 
Oh, I've, been, I've been trying to shoot 3D targets so I can work that into my routine and, you know, take take my time because you shoot a 3D target in the wrong spot, you're going to break your arrow. So. Oh, right. No, absolutely. But that, that's been one of the things I've been working on majorly. I mean, I've been changing my shooting form all around the last month and a half. So, like, everything's all kind of cattywampus right now. But Okay. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of lessons you can take even from positive hunts and successful hunts. But, oh, absolutely. Uh, I do want to ask you a question. Um, on that yeah. that monster you said he, he he turned a corner on you when he was coming in um, w was he like coming in upwind of you and then he tried to like cut that corner and get downwind of you so he came in um, like directly down my wind was actually so he came in from my left um, to set the scene came in from my left um, and there's a tractor path to my left at 15 yards 20 yards maybe and the wind was blowing from where he came over my right uh, shoulder, uh, kind of like back behind me, splitting um, the ag field that was directly behind me and then the end of the power line. Okay. So it was kind of a diagonal wind. And so when he came through, I think that he was just cutting through because he was trying to cut the distance to that rat, to those bucks. And he didn't, I think when he came out to that power line, he couldn't see the deer. So I think that he was just like, okay, I know that I heard the deer. I just need to cut the distance and get there as fast as I can. I think he was so focused on the on that rattle yeah. that he didn't care what was in front of him. It was there's two bucks fighting. They're in my territory. That's not happening. Okay. He just instead of taking any kind of trail or or taking his time, he just came straight down the power line and the the, the first little opening he hit, he took and just right. was coming right through fast. So that's that's interesting because. Now, I've learned a lot of things from podcasts and hunting shows over the years and mistakes and things I've seen, and I'm sure you have also. What I've learned about big, big deer is, and I, I don't know much about during the rut because I've not got a lot of experience hunting during the rut because, you know, I was in school for high school and stuff, and I didn't get out early right. enough to do it, and right. I was always involved in football or something. Like, I couldn't go yep. after school very much. That's, I completely and understand. Yep. I was in college four years, and I didn't really take bow hunting seriously until I got out of college. Okay. So, like, the rut, I never really, I'm, I'm hoping to have a good year and get into the rut this year since I got multiple states to hunt. But uh, before the rut and after the rut, what I've learned is big deer, like the deer you dream about, put in magazines, those kind of deer, you rattle to them, you grunt to them, and they start coming. A lot of times what they'll do is they'll, they'll circle downwind, and then oh, they'll yeah. check the wind before they come yep. up. So what happened with your scenario there is it brings up a question in my head. Was he so fired up in the rut, and there's sounds like there's two bucks fighting in his territory, and he's like, there could be does in the area, there's someone in my spot, you know, I don't care about the wind, I need to get there right now and show them who's the boss, or yep. went over that doe, you know what I mean? Because that, that's a pretty interesting question. I'd love to ask, you know, one of the bigger name guys that probably know the answer to that. Right. And, like, hey, what, what more, happened? A, a takeaway from that deer, he was a, he was a really aggressive deer. Um... Actually, so the next year, um, after that, I kind of made it my mission. I'm finding that deer. I am killing that deer. Right. Um, and, and so in the next year, um, it would have been, I, I was in college. I was coming home. I, only, I, I went to college 45 minutes away from home. So okay. when, when I wasn't playing football, I was able to kind of sneak away, which was very, very rare. Right. Um, so I, I didn't get to hunt a whole lot up until... You know the end of uh, November. Okay, yeah. Kind of when football settling down and everything, and 
and our, our gun season's kind of picking up. And I, I want to say I, I got out about a week and a half to two weeks before uh, gun season. And I was like, you know what? Nobody's hunted the right side of the farm this year. I, I'm going to go over there and I'm going to just hunt on the ground and see what I can make happen. I, I tucked up under some pin oaks, hit the rattling horns, and that buck comes out of the bedding area just, just fired up. He, he ran a tree line back and forth, come busting through the tree line, came into 40 yards, and had I not been under a pin oak and those limbs, I don't know if you've sat under a pin oak before, where they come down real yeah. hard, almost like a teepee, and they come down almost all the way to the ground. Yep. And I, I was a full draw, and I needed probably another 15, 15 yards more, and I would have killed him at like 30 yards. But he came in the same scenario. I rattled him. He was just so fired up. He didn't care about anything. He was just coming. Like it, it didn't matter. I think that deer was just so aggressive to, you know, two bucks be in his area. I, I really don't think that it mattered to, to that particular deer. Yeah. That, that, um, that, that's, and, some, that's something I want to learn more about, and I think I will as I, you know, hunt more ruts and stuff as years go on. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've noticed to where it, it's the rut is like like obviously everybody chases november we all want to hunt november it's the rut deer on their feet and i've had some of my worst hunting in the rut oh, you yeah. know, it's november 4th and i didn't see i didn't see a deer i'm like man what it's supposed to be the rut what's going on right and then the next day i sit in the same stand and i see you know 15 deer and two shooter bucks and you're like well what the heck it, it's I've noticed with the rut that it can be it's more of just just keep putting in time Yep. because it's like one day it might not be anything and one doe comes through that area and the whole area changes oh yeah oh yeah that's uh, I've yeah I'm big I, that's on, what I've taken away from November I'm real big on trying to pattern the deer so I get I try and get my cameras out as early as possible see what's going on okay. in the farm and stuff because I know I, if I can get them patterned early because I the property I hunt, there's Amish group that comes in hunts during gun season. Not many people, okay. maybe one other dude other than me hunts during bow season. It's a 500 plus acre farm. And so that there's a lot of opportunity for me during early season leading up to gun season. So I try and pattern yeah. them hard late summer into early fall before, you know, gun season rut. Because okay. that's my yeah, best opportunity. Yeah. And yeah. I, even though I didn't, to hunt the rut last year because I, I killed my deer early I still had my cameras out and as I checked them throughout the season last year just to keep tabs on what I was hoping because there was a big buck that showed up after I killed mine um, and I was like trying to keep tabs on him and what ended up happening was I still don't know to this day whether he was killed or he went to another property got hit by a car or whatnot because he hadn't showed back up but he was a stud buck 12 point buck not he had a kicker some junk coming off one of, I think it was a G2 and okay. like nice looking buck way more scorable than the one I killed last year but he definitely was you know he wasn't the guy on the farm because he didn't show up until I killed my buck so I killed the bully and then he right. showed up and stuff and I had right. other bucks on camera religiously even after I killed my buck and then gun season rolls around rut rolls around and those deer are so sporadic the does are so sporadic I couldn't get a pattern on anything and then like oh, okay. by late December things had calmed down and maybe yep. it was muzzleloader season or something like that around there going into January. They started to settle back into a, a routine and get into their winter patterns yep. and stuff. And, like, 
I stopped seeing them in the fields more. I started seeing them underneath my one climber and acorn patch and stuff like that. Yep. And I was like, all right, all right. I would know, if I was going to go out right now, I would know exactly where to go and what to do. But right. that that's one thing I, I've heard on, you know, Whitetail Edge, uh, Breaking Point, Bone Collector, Drury's. You cannot pattern a deer during a rut. It's impossible. No. Nope. I, I think I, I have noticed where, I not necessarily I've patterned the deer, but I've noticed... Um, you know, growing up and, and hunting, hunting, you know, I heard a lot of the the, the later run, um, mm-hmm. just due to sports, playing football all my life, and then I play basketball, so I always had like a little bit of a gap there, right? And I noticed where I couldn't really pattern um, the bucks at all, but watching the does and and just monitoring does, and I noticed um, this was years and years ago. We were hunting a buck we called Big Poppy. He was a mainframe 10, um, just a straight typical 10, probably would have scored in the 170s as just a typical 10. Okay. Very, very big deer. Oh, yeah. And he had a group of three or four does that bedded in one particular area, and he stayed with those does for probably two to three weeks. Wow. And me being younger... Um, I couldn't really get a pattern on him because I really didn't know. But now, where I am now, and knowing what I know, I I, I, I would like to think I could have killed that deer because he was very patternable, and it was I mean he was all, he was bumping does, he was chasing does, but he was just those does wanted to bed there, and so he bedded there. He stayed with those does. Okay, yeah. And I think that I think that was due to a particular scenario. Obviously, those group of does were a little different. They didn't. They wanted to go to the same place every time. They weren't just being chased ragged. It was one really big buck, and there were no other bucks around those days. He kept them all out of there. He was the big poppy of the of the farm. Right. No, that's why we called him Big Poppy. He had his, <laughs> I think there was probably four does in there, and there was him. And then you might see one little four-corner spike buck, and that was it. Yep, waiting to get their butt kicked. Right, right. And we, we watched that deer for probably about two weeks and, and we, we tried to make some moves on him and we just we couldn't we couldn't make it happen and with me being so young I, I was probably oh shoot I had to be nine years old ten years old you know being that young you really can't make a move you, you can make moves but not like that right and now being older I'm like man I think that I could have made it happen yeah and, and been able because that deer that's the only buck that I've ever watched in November with does chasing does that just every day he was in the same bedding in the same fields doing the same thing that's the only deer that I've ever seen oh yeah I think I think you make a great point you know I don't think it's spoken enough verbally like I think most people that you know have their big shows or whatnot in areas that everybody lives in they're like they assume it's understood to like it's better to chase does in the rut than it is the bucks because right. I mentioned someone uh, commented on one of my posts in the Servicite app actually because I post some of the bucks I had on camera this year and I was like finally I got some good looking bucks I would consider shooting and someone's like yeah well I've noticed that, like you know a lot of times if they're on your farm now they aren't going to be on your farm during gun or during season and stuff like that and I was like that's a valid point um depends on your, right, your food sources and stuff like that and it depends on right. the pressure and there's a lot of different things that go into it but i was like also i was like 
I, I made the comment to him, I said, one of the things is also, come, you know, season time, if you find does, bucks will be around eventually. Absolutely. You just I mean, gotta, you just gotta do your homework that, and be putting in the work and put your time in. Right. That's here in Ohio, we're able to uh, throw out corn and we're able to put bait piles out. Right. And I know some guys are against it. Some guys are for it. Some guys, the only way they hunt. I think if it's if it's legal in your state and you can do it, go for it. If it helps you, you know, kill a deer, go for it. If it helps you get in the woods and experience, have an experience of a lifetime, go do it. If it's legal, do it. Yep. And and and, and we bait. I'm, I have no problem saying it. And I've noticed, you know, come November, I'm not sitting over those bait piles as much as I am um, in the earlier year, in the earlier season and then in the late season week we go back to our baiting areas but we'll just try to keep those on the farm oh yeah you know, that, that, that early season it's like okay if we can get a good group of six seven does coming into our our, our main areas come November there's gonna if there's does there's bucks it's right. just wait for the right time and and, and that's Watching does and, and seeing how they how they work around the farm can be way better than pinning pinpointing one buck and saying he's he's right here. I just have to figure out you know when he's there. Well, if you watch those does, he's going to be you know and, and finding a good travel corridor where those does want to go through and it's a pinch point. Yep, those are some of my favorite places to be come November. Oh yeah, yeah. I've learned a lot. Um, my favorite show to watch is probably the the show he, he's based out of Hawking Hills Ohio Whitetail Edge ran by Ben Rising okay um, yep. he shoots monster deer all the time like he killed four booners in two years I think is what he wow. said or maybe four wow. booners in one year he hunts Kansas Illinois Ohio so like he he hunts okay. the, the perfect state for it right right but, but still uh, he, I, I, killing four booners is that takes a whole lot of skill. You could be in the right place with a booner and not make it happen. Right. Like, he used to work for the Drury Brothers and hunt on their show back when okay. he first started. Um, so, okay. the guy knows what he's doing. He, he's big time. Uh, I know there's some official shows and stuff like that have their opinions on him. I personally love his show. Love watching it because he, he's an educational show as much as he is as, you know, going out there and putting this smackdown on big deer. Right, And right. one of the things he is he's preached religiously he he doesn't bait he's not for baiting i'm neutral on it uh I, the way i use baiting is like i'll throw out mineral licks in certain areas and then i'll use that as bait kind of i won't necessarily right. sit on them but i will right. put corn out but my corn i only put it out early season and i use the corn as observational pieces i throw it out in front of cameras right. to see what's you, you there you kind of get an inventory right but that, that's me personally ben rising's against it um at two point, I, I wouldn't say you know he's like adamant, like red in the face over or whatnot. He, right. It's none of that. Right. It's just like he doesn't believe in it as much as some people do nowadays. But, but I'm like, same thing right. as you. If that's what, the way you do it and that's the way you get in the woods, do it, man. Go after it. Exactly. I, no problems with it, dude. Get your deer on the ground, feed your family. He has specifically preached that you know a deer in the middle of the woods walks up on a corn pile. He knows it's not natural. And oh, it's, right become, yep. it's become so new, it's so normal because Ohio's been legal to bait f since I can remember. And right. Yeah, I've, I've never not known Ohio right. to be illegal to bait. He's like, they've become so, so used to it. They know it's not normal, but they're so used to it, they'll still do it. The big right. bucks will 
pretty much stay away from the bait piles until dark. And right. that's what he's seen over his course of his hunting career and stuff. And, you know, kind of take what he says to heart a little bit because, you know, he's killing monster deer. But he also uses all these other tactics and stuff that he plays chess with, and he he, he calls checkmate quite a bit. But one of the other things he's, he suggested, well, you know, if you are going to bait and throw corn out, he's like, big bucks don't like being around other deer very much, you know, unless it's a rut. And even then, they, right. they'll fight the younger bucks and whatnot. Right. He's like, if you're going to throw corn out, don't put it in a pile because then it means your deer are bunched up. And that kind of limits your shot opportunities because if that big buck steps in front and there's a doe behind him, you can't shoot. Yeah, He's like, oh, yeah. spread your corn sense, out, yeah. give them different areas to eat on that corn. Now you got multiple shot opportunities, and that buck's going to feel a little more comfortable to come to that pile. Right. Right. So, yeah. like, there's all – that's one of the things I love about this. Like, I'm, I'm a, getting my graduate degree in teaching license so I can go teach. So I, I'm, okay, a big, cool. I, I'm a big – informational guy like I like learning things I like things that keep me interested that I don't I'll never know everything about it so right. history I'll never know everything right. deer I will never like more so than history I will never know everything about deer no matter how yeah, much I, I learn or watch or you know pick yeah. up on my own I'll never know more and that's what keeps me coming back yeah. from it it is one of the ultimate cat and mouse games right and I like I like the expression you playing you know chess it. with the deer Right, just when you think you got them and you know it, they do something completely different. You're like, man, what the heck? Right, like that deer you said, <laughs> you had him six, seven yards. You're like, he's dead, and he turns around right, right back, comes, just walks his trail out. Like, what, what, right. what's going on here? Right, right. Yeah, it's no, that's it's a beautiful thing to know you don't know everything, but you're so willing to learn everything there is about it. Yes, yes, but, uh, yeah. So. uh Let's, let's jump into this season. Do you, you got much work done, you know, information you're looking at this year, trail cam information, certain buck you're after? Yeah, I've got a, I've got a couple different um, bucks that I've kind of picked out for for hit list opportunities. Um, and and when I say hit list, we're targeting, you know, the, the mature bucks mm-hmm. on the farm. We've got, um, we hunt one farm, it's... Um, roughly about 30 acres um, so if it gets to be in our area if it's a four and a half year old deer we, we don't pass those you know we love to see them get to that five that six you know an older mark but unfortunately in the area that we're at four and a half is a mature is a, is a mature buck for us because oh, yeah. we have a lot of hunting pressure around us mm-hmm. um, and we've got two deer we're thinking one's probably five and a half one's probably four and a half and they're both both ten pointers one's a big big mainframe eight um with a split both of his brow tines are split um he's gorgeous he's he's probably my number one on my on my target list for this year and then i've got another 10 um he doesn't he's not a super super he doesn't have a whole lot of mass mm-hmm. uh, but he's just super tall okay he does he's not super wide but he's he's out past his ears but he just has some tine length um and, and i've got those two bucks showing up right now um actually one of my, my baiting spots where I throw corn out they're showing up pretty much every almost every day at you know 30 40 minutes before dark so I'm, I'm really hoping that trend um, keeps going obviously I'll be sitting right there if they're still doing that on camera oh yeah um, that's I run a couple cell cameras okay and what's nice about where 
that the area is it's a giant soybean field oh yeah and so i kind of have my 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 baiting station a couple of my stands in locations where they're just coming out to the field and so they're coming out into the field but they're stopping for 15 minutes right there and they're just eating i've got a uh a trace mineral block okay and and then i i I throw corn out when i can i mean with the corn prices i'm not dumping five six bags of every other day i mean i'm not i'm not religiously throwing corn out throwing corn out kind of like you said i like to get an inventory of them yeah and but i then i just throw a mineral block out there with with my camera so they have something and they're they're stopping and we put in a, a clover plot uh, two years ago, and it's it's coming back phenomenal this year again. But they'll stop in that and eat that clover plot for fifteen minutes before going into the beans. Oh yeah, and they'll do that all year so, round too because clover oh, just doesn't go away. Yep. yep. And so I'm really hoping that those two will stay on that same pattern. They, they come on opposite days. They will, they don't stay together. <clears throat> I haven't. I've had one picture back in July where it was those two and two other bucks, mm-hmm. and that was the last time I got a picture of them together since then they've split and they they, they haven't been together at all yeah that, that's pretty common uh, that they'll run together right over the summer right. and then they'll split they, up in the fall they get in their bachelor groups and they split and so i'm i'm, I'm really hoping that they'll stay uh, on the pattern and e- either one of the two i will shoot they're both beautiful deer and i i would be blessed to kill either one of the two um and then i i just recently picked up another farm it's a i think it's right around 70 acres um but it's only probably 50 huntable the other 20 is uh like pasture fields and in the house of course okay um so it's not i I don't hunt huge big farms anything like that most of my stuff is small and then um actually behind my my parents house they have three acres um right behind their house that i hunt Mm -hmm. and that's actually where i killed my deer um this past season and we've got a couple bucks showing up there, nothing crazy, uh, but it's like that every year. I mean, that's, I didn't see the buck that I killed back there last year until, um, I think it was November 4th was the first picture I got of him, and it was a, uh, it was at night. He came through at night, and then I never seen him again until I killed him December 22nd. Okay. Um, and, and so I've got a couple different spots that I know um, bucks are going to be cruising through. I just got to wait for him to be there, and then but I'd really like to punch my ticket. I've, I've, I've yet to kill an early season deer, and this year it's really looking like as long as those bucks keep doing what they're doing, I've, I've got a really good chance to, to punch my early season buck tag. It's a pretty cool feeling, but I will say this. Make sure you got a big cooler and lots of ice ready to go. Yep. <laughs> yep, that's – I literally – I, I told my dad, I'm like, I'm going to have to load up. We have uh, we have a couple Arctic coolers. Okay. And I, I told him, I'm like, before we go out there, I'm like, literally i'm gonna have the cooler with ice just ready for to, to get it and, and go yep yep so i shot my buck october 4th last year um so like literally like two weeks into the season and it was 78 degrees when i shot him i i took okay. like I, when i butcher deer and you know skin them out and stuff i like to hang them for a day two days right right a little bit to like right, let absolutely. them dry out right and that just was not an option i got him back and you know it took me longer to skin him because it was the first buck I've got. It was only the second buck I've ever shot. And the first one was this little gear and a half seven point right before my shoulder surgery. Okay. So this is the first deer I've ever even considered to get a mount done. So I'm like, never done a cape skin. My buddy's over there supposed to be helping me. And they, <laughs> I'll just be honest. They were 
they were BS and have a good time, like a deer camp kind of deal at my mom right. and dad's no, house. Yep, yep. And yep. I, I, I was just kind of, I was just kind of, I, I basically did it learning myself as I went. And because I didn't know how to do it and I didn't want to ruin the hide or poke too many holes in it, I was like going super slow and stuff. And it took me longer than it probably should have. But I got it skinned and like I shot him, oh, it was still getting dark right around 7. So it was probably like 6.30. 645-ish, I shot this deer. And it was an easy drag, drag him up out of the creek, 40 yards, I think, from the creek to okay. the field, drive the truck in the field, pick him up. Very so nice. It wasn't too hard of a drag. We gawked at him on the property owner's house and stuff, and they were congratulating me, and got him in the house, got him skinned out like an hour, two hours later. And, I mean, I had him gutted out pretty quick. That, that wasn't an issue. I, I wasn't worried about, you know, messing up the cape by gutting him out. Right, right. So then I'm like, all right, I got to go. I don't, I don't know. Do we have a freezer open, Dad? And he's like, not for this big of a deer. And like right. it was a five and a half year old buck, probably. And he was probably cool. dressed out. That's he awesome. was probably 220, 250 still. Okay. He, he was a, a big old deer. He was, he was a pig. And yeah. So I'm like, all right, I got to run to town, get ice in. My buddy's dad let me use their ginormous cooler. I went to town, got like four ginormous bags of ice, came back, quartered him, split, you know, took back straps off and split the ribs and whatnot, cut the neck off, quartered the legs off, threw him in this cooler, got ice on it immediately because I had to be at work the next day at 6 a.m. and I still had homework for grad school due that night <laughs> at 2 a.m. And by the time yeah. I finished it, I finished doing my homework with like 10 minutes left before it was due. Okay. It was a long, a long night. night then. Yeah. Oh yeah, I wouldn't have traded it for the world, but right, right. Dad, you look back at it, you're like, man, that was a great time again. It that was. Five minutes just made it better. It was. <laughs> I, I sweated my butt off too. Like I was. I, I think I changed oh, shirts twice that night because I was sweating so bad. <laughs> sweated through it. my camo shirt. Sweated through a t-shirt and then put on another t-shirt. It, it was. It was a fun time. Like the camaraderie oh, yeah. afterwards was great. I, I hope I, I don't have anything of that quality this year on camera. Um, maybe one close. Uh, the the buck, he, so the one I shot last year, he 22 and a half inside spread because a bot fly okay. got in one side and killed the growth during uh, velvet and it didn't okay. finish growing. He was an eight point mainframe with a split brow tine, so he's nine points. Big mass, like his, the base of his horns at the pedicle was as thick as a, a pop can. He was just a big oh, that's stud. Awesome. Yeah, that, that's, that's that's a good deer. I I don't really believe in you know scores and stuff like that. Like I, I ended up getting him not unofficially scored just so because I was getting a lot of questions from people. What do you score? What do you score? And I, I finally right, got right. an unofficial score so I could just give someone an answer because I was like I don't know. He ended up scoring like uh, this unofficial gross, but he he was one forty nine seven eight. So when people ask me, I say one fifty. He, he, right. he was a big deer. Yeah. Uh, no, that's a that's a heck of a nine pointer. But you know that there's that that was a crazy looking buck on camera. He's super wide. As soon as I killed him, like four days later on my camera, I had that twelve point on camera. He wasn't as wide. He's probably nineteen twenty inches inside. I think I think he was a ten point mainframe with split brow tine and a kicker off to one G two. Oh, and very nice. he was a nice looking buck he was a pig of a body also which northeast ohio you know that's 
rolling hills, cornfield, bean fields, pasture fields. Yeah. Yep. They get monstrous over there. Oh yeah, they get very big. And so he's just as big. And I'm like, point wise, he'll probably score a little better, but then lose because you know he's got a kicker on one side, not on the other, right, or whatnot. Right. I was like, I, I, I don't. I never even count the deductions to be honest with. You. <laughs> I I don't I don't believe in net scores because nets are for fishing and. Why score exactly. him differently than what he was on the hoof when you seen him, in my exactly. opinion. But, you know, what Ohio Big Buck Club or whatever the heck it's called, they got their own things, and that's fine. You know, Right, right. No, it's their own. That's how I look at it. I, I, I was, score my deer just for personal knowledge. I don't know. I don't have a deer in the, in the book. Right. I was like, man, I really want to get after that 12-point this year. So I was like, I put camera out again right where I got my buck on camera last year. Got him on camera. Gun season rolls around. Amish come down. He's not on camera the rest of the year. So I'm like, all right, come summertime, he might be calmed down enough. You know, he's he looked like he was three and a half, four years old at that point. I was like, summertime, he might be calmed down enough if he was chased by the Amish hard enough that he'll come back. And because right. his property is not touched until gun season, typically, really, other than me. Yeah. I was like, chances are he'll be back. So I'm I'm out there this summer, threw an observational camera up behind where my buck came from and where I think this buck was coming from. Not getting nothing. I set the camera up wrong. I, I put it at the bad angle. I was just getting the tops of the ears of deer gotcha. all summer, basically. Okay, I learned. So I moved it to another spot on hot trail. I'm like, all right, I'm not really looking to see what they're doing or trying to pattern them at this point. I want to see if he's here. I want to see what he's doing. And then go from there. I can make more moves to see what's going on. So I move the camera again. I still have the camera where I got him on picture in the field. That one's still there. I got, I've been moving around this camera back behind. Like, they were probably within 200 yards of each other. But the one, I just keep moving around on hot trails to see what's going on. And he's not been back. But uh, one of the pictures on my server-side profile page, um, he's a big eight-point like he looks like he's going to be like 260 pounds big old deer and i i got camera on him i think i got three or four pictures of him he's easily a shooter buck um because I, I don't really care what's on their head i i, I want to shoot big deer it's going to feed me all year and is not right. a baby and he's on there i'm like man that's a really good buck and then i got this other deer I got him on camera last year and the year before, so I'm thinking he's three at minimum. He's real wide, probably 22, 23 inches wide, not real tall. Okay. His G, no, his brow tine on right side is probably eight inches, nine inches with a tiny little split in the top of it. And he's just so cool looking. Well, yeah, very cool. Yeah. I'm like, man, he walks in front of me. I don't know if I'll be able to pass him just because how cool he looks. Right. Those yeah, deals. Yeah. And I, the girl I, I just started dating, um, I just got her back into shooting bows this month or last month and told her, I was like, when you get your license, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to the property owner if she gives you permission to come out with me because she lives about an hour from where my mom and dad live and about an hour from where I hunt. So she's not going to go down there and hunt unless I'm with her. Right. But if she gets permission to come property with me, I'm like, you see this big A point in front of us? smoke him because I'm looking at that other three-year-old buck because I like how he looks right. I'm oh, like, yeah, I, I mean I, that's just the way I am because I, I want I want to gain more people into it like I've said multiple times on my show 
I want to be an educational show. I want to get more people involved in the outdoors because I, I believe our way of life is dying. And I want to make it, oh, I, I want to stop the, the death and I want to promote it and get more people into it. So I'm like, if I got someone that's allowed to come hunt on the property, I'm hunting. I see a monster deer I've been chasing for months. If they don't pull their bow back and shoot them, I might smack them. Like, right. shoot that no, thing. Yeah, absolutely. And like this, talking about this stuff like fires me up because like I'm not, I'm not a trophy shamer. You know, I'm a big believer of what trips your trigger. Take it, man. I don't, I like to shoot mature deer. That's me. And if you're in the blind with me and you see a, a, a three point butt, you know, got a spike and then split on the other side, you want, that thing's got your heart pounding. Shoot him. Shoot him, dude. Absolutely. Yep. That is. You still there? Yeah, you hear me? Yep. Yep. Are, are you familiar with the group? What group? The OK. You're, you're cutting out a little bit. Uh-oh. Let's see here. The OK. OK is Hunter. Yeah, yeah. I've seen their stuff on TikTok and some YouTube stuff. They're they're pretty funny dudes. Yeah. Oh, bounced out a little bit there again. Maybe. How about now? No. Hmm. You got me now? Yep, yep, you're back. Oh, perfect, there we go. Um, but I... <laughs> it bounced out again. <laughs> it's saying that I got good shit. Hmm. Hold on. Let's try that. You... No, it's, it's still kicking out a little bit. Huh. I'm saying I got full bars too. No, I'm running off of Wi-Fi. Oh, okay, okay. So it should be. I think we're good now. I got a little bit closer. Okay, yeah, you're coming in good now. Okay. And uh, so I. Uh oh. <laughs> Every time we think we're good. <laughs> Technical difficulties. No big deal. should you got me now yep perfect um but just just their message that they pre uh -oh. like the way that you want to that's i think that's kind of cut out after their message just uh the, the, the way that preach it's your tag you you feel it how you want yep i i there needs to be a whole lot less more uh buck looks like how it scores or even if it's a doe just 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 a congratulations i mean that yep we're here we're all here to 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 share the same experiences on the the chest pounders yep 70 inch deer and they pound their chest on social media and say look at me this is one Uh oh. Bounced out again. 
gone. Huh. I wonder if there's something going on around. I'm sitting at a pilot truck stop, so I'm wondering if someone's got like a scanner or something that's interfering with the signal. Try that. Nah, you're still coming in and out. In and out. Hearing little clips and then it, it fades. Yeah. Huh. I don't know. Who knows with technology? I barely know how to use it. It's a I'm supposed to be the guy I'm supposed to be the young guy that knows the technology I'm always like I have <laughs> I have no clue half time yeah. but uh, I mean I, I'm pretty sure just uh, you know even while you're cutting out I, I kind of got what you were saying so it, it, the camaraderie needs to come back yes and I think a large part that would help bring it back is if they started putting checkpoints at gas stations again oh I, I uh oh. Uh, um, and, and we went to the check. Hmm. It, it's the signal is like the little engine that that's trying. <laughs> huh. Well, you got me good now. Yeah, that sounds good. Okay, I keep changing different stuff and getting close. Well, it just went out again. Jack, go on it. Okay, try that. But what you were saying. Well. I think the service is losing the battle. Well, mm, I'm, get, I'm getting. I'm getting. How about we uh, we do this, Chris? Uh, we'll we'll wrap up this one, and then you know, I think this was a great episode. Anyways, we'll we'll get you back on here, and we'll do a part two and. We'll dive in some more stories, and then we'll talk more about camaraderie and what what needs to change in the outdoor community. So I don't know if you can hear me, like I said, but uh, if you can, I, I, I can. Uh, you're, you're still coming in and out. Am I? Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get you back on here, and because hopefully I'll be able to you know meet up with you and BS a oh, little yeah. bit, drink some beers, and. Maybe even get in the woods and do some hunting together. Absolutely, heck yeah. I, I I'd love it. I I love meeting new people in the industry and you know building that friendship because I think this is one of the greatest yes. communities in the entire world. So, but uh, we'll we'll get you back on here and then we'll we'll continue into this conversation and have fun with it because I think this was a great great conversation. But. Hey man, I appreciate you coming on here. Uh, it means a lot to me, you know, get, getting more people involved and talking on the show and stuff. And 
you know, I, I just trying, you know, I want to make more friends. And like I said, in this industry, and I appreciate, you know, this is the first time I've had someone from a group like this come on, um, other than Breaking Point. So I, I really appreciate you coming on here, man. It means a lot. But, uh, yeah, I appreciate it, buddy. We'll, we'll talk to you soon. You have a good one, man. You too. Later. Bye. Right. Well. Truck radio is on. My bad. Uh, I love conversations like that, man. That was a great conversation. Uh, look forward to meeting Chris in person. Um, hopefully his surgery goes well and he gets some deer hunting in beforehand. Uh, good luck to him on that. Uh, but that that that's something I've been wanting and trying to do, and I, I don't know why it slipped my mind that I should have thrown out the offer on uh, Surfside earlier. Um, but, uh, yeah, I appreciate him coming on here like that. Uh, never met the guy. Great dudes by the sounds of it. Um, so a uh, little, little background, if you don't know what Serviceide is it is a community of like I don't want to say working class and take working class bow hunters you know thing but it's like everyday people whether you're working you're spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars on sick gear go hunt excuse me or you, you buy Walmart stuff you use the top of the line 12 gauge to go deer hunt you like to gun hunt more and bow hunt it don't matter Service side covers everything from waterfowl, turkey, predator. It don't matter. It's just a place where you can go learn things, um, being involved in a community. Um, like I said earlier, I don't know what the technical definition of me and Chris are, or are we pro staff, or are we just like a part of it or whatnot. It doesn't matter to me that the title we are. Um, I'm just part of a community that I can go talk to, like a deer all year round. I can talk to people, get tips. Um, shooting advice, stuff like that, or give advice, or, you know, just see some cool things, trade hunts with someone, something like that. It's, it's a great place. Uh, memberships are pretty cheap. It's like $30 a month, or maybe even less. I don't I don't remember. I have it on automatic payment. So it, it's not much. And you, you get these things, like, if you join up, they'll put out emails and be like, hey, we have this workshop that's virtual. You listen in on, like, Zoom or something like Zoom. Um, Google Teams or something like that and they bring on someone to explain topics and I, I sat through the videography ones and you know stuff like that to learn more but they do these different types of workshops over different topics to help you become a better hunter or be better in what you want to do inside of hunting something like that so if that's something you're interested in service side is always looking for people to join their group um, give them a look you know they're, they're great guys um, I believe Justin is the guy who runs it. Um, let me look real quick. He, he's a great guy. I've talked to him. Yes, Justin Edwards. He's a great guy. I've uh, messaged him before and had some conversations with him. He's a great guy. He's very helpful in keeping people up to date what's going on. Um, he sends me text messages every now and again on different workshops. Uh, great guy. He, he's there to help anytime I need him. So, great guy. Um, he, he's just one of the utmost people I've like learned a lot from his platform let's put it that way learned a lot from his platform um, they are based in Pennsylvania somewhere um, 
it, it's a great thing to do. You know, a lot of times people be like, oh, I'm a pro staffer here, I'm a pro staffer there, and they don't really get much out of it. They're expected to pay for things and try this out to even be a part of the membership. That's not the case with ServSide at all. You, you pay your membership and then that's it. You can get discount codes on equipment, you know, clothing, whatever it is. That there, there could possibly be discount codes. There's all kinds of them for different groups and stuff like that. It's a great community. Um, that's what I love about it is the community aspect of it. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, this was one of my favorite episodes by far. Uh, thanks again to Chris for coming on. I look forward to, I'm recording it tomorrow. Uh, these won't be out for a few weeks. But I, I'm recording another one next week with a group from North Dakota, um, 605 Outdoors. Um, if you haven't yet or you've never heard of them, go give them a like and a follow on YouTube. They would greatly appreciate it. Uh, they seem like great people. I've talked to them a few times on the Surfside app. Um, so I look forward to that one uh, tomorrow, which will be out um, probably, see here, it's the end of August. This one tonight will be, it'll be out in September. So middle of September, next, the one tomorrow will be out with. Um, so keep keep following along. I appreciate all the support and the listeners. Uh, without you guys, this doesn't happen. You know, I can sit and talk all day and no one can listen to me, but with people listening, it makes it more enjoyable. Um, I, I like to teach what I know and take what other people know and get it out there and find like-minded people. So that, that's the whole goal of Grindstone Adventures. Um, I'm looking forward to this deer season. Um, I will apologize ahead of time. Season is literally right around the corner. Um, so if uh, entertaining guests start to kind of teeter a little bit it's because I'm spending all my time with school and work and in the woods I'm I'm going to hunt it hard this year um, so like I, I've got tags in Michigan, PA and Ohio this year I've got a bear tag in PA I'm looking forward to that hunt coming up so I apologize ahead of time if things start to get a little slower um, with the episodes being bi-weekly now I should be able to keep things up to date on that but uh, I appreciate everything. Uh, you, you guys make this enjoyable for me. So, uh, you know, like always, you know, go live your life. Have fun. Have no zero days. You know, go out there and do something big or small. Doesn't matter. Do the tiniest thing productive every day towards your goal. No zero days, man. Go live your life and have fun. Get out there and shoot your bows before the season starts. Make sure you're ready to go. Good luck this year to all the hunters. Um, if you're not a hunter, you know, keep keeping on. But uh, this is episode 23, and I'm your host, Zach Fuhr, and this is Grindstone Adventures, and I am out.